Triple F Podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? Today in the show, we have executive chef John Mannion. Despite the fact that he's been a Chicago area chef for nearly two decades, the last few years have put him on the culinary map. When Mannion was just eight years old, his family was transplanted to the sprawling Sao Paulo, Brazil, introducing him to a whole new world of food at a young age, inspiring his culinary trajectory. His first restaurant, La Serena Condensina, is Brazilian-inspired what Manion envisioned as a sort of mysterious, hidden spot you might stumble upon in a coastal Brazil. Translated as, quote, the hidden mermaid, La Serena Clandestina serves simple, beachy Brazilian classics like Pau de Cuicho and Cuicheca and Capijanas. Now, Manny has opened a second South American-inspired restaurant, El Che Bar, a nod to his travels throughout Argentina. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with executive chef John Manion. So today we're sitting down with John Mannion of El Chabar. How are you doing today, John? I'm good, man. How are you? Really good. Just wanted to sit down and talk a little bit about uh, your background. Uh, um, running in a couple of restaurants here in town. Obviously, you didn't start off uh, just being a restaurant owner. What was no. your background getting into cooking, restaurant running, and et cetera? Um, so that's a long story, but we got nothing but time, so here we go. <laughs> so basically, when I was a kid, um, I worked in restaurants growing up uh, from the time I was in junior high. You know, busboy, dishwasher, all that good stuff. I mean, we just always worked. Right. Uh, to look back up from there, when I was a younger kid, I, my family moved to Brazil, and um, I went from just a really kind of sheltered eight-year-old kid who only ate out, you know, some very specific things, as I think a lot of kids are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we landed in Sao Paulo, and it was really, there's no other phrase, but it was a mind fuck where it was like all those things that I relied on, mm. on no longer existed. Right. Um, so I had this amazing sort of culinary awakening at a, a very young age. Okay. And from then on, um, food was very, very important to my family. Um, yeah, meals, meal times the most important time. So I always worked in restaurants growing up. Uh, I preferred it to other jobs. Uh, I think I liked the I think I liked the hospitality aspect of it. Um, when I was in college, I worked at a place in Milwaukee uh, that was a bistro that I really enjoyed, and I got to hang out with like the chef was from the CIA. Um, you know, he was really like Culinary Institute. He was really like they were they were cool guys. Which place was that? I'm actually from Milwaukee. Okay, it was it was called Buster's Bistro. Okay, which is no longer there. It's a Belgian restaurant now. It's been a number of things. You know, um, you know where the Harp is? Yes, I know exactly where it is. Yeah. Kitty Corner. Okay. So, so by Trinity, by Rogues. Yeah. Okay. Um, but this is like 1990. Okay. Very different neighborhood. Yes. Uh, <laughs> is Arts Performing Center still there? Yes. Okay, so basically we would um, we would finish service, like I would work pantry or 
where we get to a break, and these guys, there was just two two cooks, um, and they would always at some point be like, okay, we're gonna be gone for a second. What yeah. they would do is they would uh, they would go out the back door, and there was like a little vegetable garden there. Mm. They would hit a oney. They would go in the back door of our performing center, so you know exactly the building I'm talking about, right? So they go in the back door where it was like, hey, darling, hey, you know, like they knew everybody. Um, They would rip a beer and shot and go back to work. (laughs) This is the end of the night. And I was never invited to like the end. So when I realized that that was like, it was, I don't know, it was this um, kind of holy shit, these guys are fucking amazing. You know what I mean? So that was like, and that's like some Anthony Bourdain shit that you uh, like hear about. Mm You know, and you wish still happened, probably doesn't, but like that was, so that was one of, but here's the thing, so I was going to Marquette, getting an English and uh, poli-sci degree, really loved working in kitchens, um, really loved being around food, mm-hmm. but it wasn't necessarily, like back then, that's not, it's not something that you did, you know what I right. mean, like it wasn't, I'm going to be, saying that you want to be a chef is like saying, I want to be a butler when I grow up, you know what I mean, <laughs> this wasn't, it was yes. unheard of. Um, so... Flash forward a year, and I'm living in D.C. I'm working for a PR company, because that's what English and Poli Sci like, kind of gets you, so like read and write, uh, doing just really, really boring um, policy stuff, and uh, went home to Michigan, where I'm from, my dad and I were having a pint in the local bar, and he was like, well, what are you going to do? You know, this is ridiculous. You don't love this. Right. So I did. I, so I decided that I either wanted to become an English professor, or I wanted to be a in the restaurant business, and I called my um, English advisor, and he was like, yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> so here I am. So I set out, I moved to Chicago in 95, okay. with the goal of, you know, going to culinary school. I figured if I wanted, the, the route that I wanted to do was back of the house. Mm. I always loved cooking. Um, went to Kendall for six months. Uh, at that time, I was working at a place called Grappa under a chef called Dean Zanella. Okay. Um, and he really taught me a lot more than it. School was great, but I'd already been to school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right. it was very much, I felt as though there were a lot of people kind of wasting my time there. Um, he gave me this book called On Food and Cooking. He said, if you can read and understand this by Harold McGee, then you don't need, you just keep, need to keep working. And so I did. Okay. And that's, you know, the goal was always to have my own place. Um, and that was, you know, what kept me moving. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how you, people go back to school for, like, MBAs or things of that nature. Yeah. But I feel like I heard enough people say that it kind of holds them back because they've already had the real experience and they know where yeah, they want to excel in. For sure. Not have someone who I'll teach you how to do it. This yeah. about, you know, here's the thing, and this is, I mean, this is the truth, that uh, culinary school is trade school because it's a trade. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people sort of uh, think that it's this... There's an artistic aspect to it, but for the most part, it's rote. You do the same thing over and over again, and that's how you become good at it. Um, So, culinary school, trade school, you get, like any school, I guess, you get what you put into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's for profit. You know, nobody fails. Nobody's like, there were a lot of people who you could look around. I would say in every class, you knew like three or four people who were going to be professional cooks. And everybody else was kind of just wasting time, trying to figure it out. Or, you know, changers who probably weren't going to take the path that I was going to take, but we're in it to win it, and, you know, we're going to have kick-ass, like a catering company out in the suburbs or something different, but I was really, like, I wanted to be around great cooks. How could you really tell the difference of people in your classes? I mean, I know enough about cooking, because I've worked in, in, like, in the kitchen, but how can you tell someone who's great from someone who's good, like, especially in school? The difference is, at the end of the night at school, the people who are going to be great cooks are 
are the ones who do all the cleaning. Okay. Everybody else pretends to push a broom around and uh, <laughs> polish their knives, but like the, the, the three or four people who are going to make it are the three or four people who are like busting ass. That makes total sense. That's Take care difference. of your equipment and stuff. And it's funny, like, no, it's just, it's uh, teamwork. It's it's the work ethic. Okay. You know, like, at, at, the, at its beginning, you have to be able to work, not just be a good cook, but right. like have the, it's hard fucking work, man, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, so people who don't mind that tend to do a lot better than people who are kind of like prima donnas or... Yeah. So when you're working in the kitchen, how do you feel about people who ask that you come out and say hi to them when it's taken away from you doing your cooking? Is that something uh, you appreciate or is it like more of yeah, a... No, I totally appreciate it, I think okay. you know, it's part of it now where certainly um, having two restaurants being here, you know, if I'm... I, I, the first couple months I coach the line here, but I don't really. Most of the cooking that I do is during the day. Okay. Uh, my time's probably better well spent doing other things, mm -hmm. like talking to our customers, right. because really I'm the best marketing. And I, you know, you hate to say, but that's the truth. Yeah. That, that there is a part of this that is, it's not even PR, it's just like, it's, at the end of the day, it's hospitality. Right. Um, let's assume that if you open a restaurant, the food's going to be good, right? Like, you can make food. It's everything else that's the intangibles that keep people coming back. But so, and part of that is having the owner know your name, know what you like, you know, recognize. It's nice. So I, it's not like I go. I'm never going to be the guy who's comfortable walking around, uh, you know, kissing babies and pulling shit. But, but certainly, like when I see people I know, I, I greet them. If there's a problem, I, I go address it. Right. Um, it's yeah. That's kind of time better spent for me, I think, than. Makes sense. Yeah. And then if, you know, when it comes down to teaching or showing people what I want, you know, but it's, like I said, the, there's a team aspect to this that, mm -hmm. like, my CDC Brian's great, my sous chef, Maddie, like, they kill it. So I, I'm i to the point now where I think that there's an aspect to this that's kind of like, and I don't want to overstate this, but it's kind of like, um, there's a physical nature that's kind of like sports where okay. I will tell you, like, unequivocally, I'm not the line cook that I was when I was 29 years old. You know what I mean? Like, there's some of these guys can run circles around me. Right. That's the truth. You know? Is it because you've been out of the game for so long? Not or they're just better? Also, fucking old, man. Yeah. You know, like, it's a young man's game for sure. For sure. That makes sense. Yeah, it is. Like, you yeah. want to cook you one egg, that's great. But, like, <laughs> but you know, when we opened, uh, A, it's hot back there. But I would work, you know, as you do when you open. Um, I worked the line for two or three months mm. and you know I realized like halfway through my shift or three quarters of my way through the shift I was like what is this thing am I getting sick I'm like no that's actually that's called fatigue yes you know I mean? like, tired. yes so I'm still learning things yeah, makes sense <laughs> yeah. so what are the two big differences between your two restaurants El Che Bar and uh, La Serena Accountants uh, they're really different the yeah. first one uh, La Serena is a little weird place on the corner of Fulton Morgan that okay. um, is in my mind and this isn't what it is but it's always been kind of this um, it's like a resto bar it's a bar that has great food it's definitely um, influenced by the first things I remember eating when I was in Brazil like those flavors uh, definitely draws from the Brazilian tradition but you know we live in Chicago and it's not like we're not pretending to be something that we're not small 40 seats it's um, very music oriented it's very like uh, it's a little sexy room you know and I feel mm -hmm. like you will, it doesn't feel like you're in Chicago right uh, 
Elchebar is bigger. If that's if Lacerina is kind of a pretty lady, Elchebar is definitely like a lot more masculine. Mm. Um, this pays homage to. You know, not just, it's very easy to say Argentina because that's directly where it's inspired from. But right. I think that to a great extent, it's, um, you know, the tradition of eating and cooking outside in South America. Mm. I certainly got that in my blood. Like, got that Jones when I was a kid, going to Churrascarias, going to, like, you know, asados in people's backyards. Uh, that was a huge part of, like, once you get that smell of charcoal, you know, in your head, it's I hard to and Brazil is a great tradition. We got to travel a lot in South America as a child, and it was really like kind of mind blowing to see, uh, you know, a lamb splayed up on a cross, right. and then eating that lamb and thinking like, oh my god, this is, <laughs> you know, like it never tasted that before. So, upon returning back to the United States and, and realizing that for the most part it was going to be a, a Kenmore, you know gas grill on the outside with hot dogs and hamburgers, like, it's a bit of a disappointment, you know what I mean? Right. So I've always kind of had that in my mind that um, it was something that I wanted to do. I've been working on El Che since like 2003. Okay. When I was in a place called Moss, it's been an idea for that long, but it was always, it's, it's funny that it's, seeing this come to fruition corresponds with this being sort of a, a trend right now. Mm -hmm. uh, that's neither good nor bad for us, I don't think. I know certainly there's no one in Chicago doing it to the extent that we are where there's no gas in this line. You know, everything comes off of it. Right. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, those are the two main differences. Aesthetically, they're very different as well. So when you're putting together the menu for that, what kind of is your driving like motivation? You said kind of things from your past. What's kind of the balance between authentic like South American food and like your mix between being in Chicago? You know, I don't worry that much about authenticity for what I do because, the, you know, A, I'm not, I'm not Brazilian, I'm not from Argentina, just like those are the things I grew up and traveled and learned. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm a Chicago cook first and foremost, so I'm definitely more influenced by that. Okay. Um, but there's, you know, there's a bag of tricks. There's certainly at La Serena, there's things and techniques that uh, harken to the East Coast of Brazil, which is kind of like which draws a lot from the west coast of Africa. So like dende oils and you know using a lot of nuts and coconut milk and, mm -hmm. and things like that that I think would qualify as exotica here. Right. Um, but you know we still shop the market and we still try to do as much close to home mm -hmm. as we can. And uh, early on I decided like I'm not gonna stick a fucking plantain chip in it to make it sort of Latin you know yeah. let's just, let, there's an aspect that like this is what this is kind of what we're doing but at the same time it's cooked food right right um, here in Elche there's no I, I really wanted to make sure that we didn't um, get hammered with that steakhouse tag right. one because uh, that's not who we are but there's an aspect to this that is you know we, we cook so we're cool. So like, right. there's that. But I also, and although I love these restaurants, I didn't want it to be sort of um, our modern take on uh, Argentine steakhouse. You know, where it's where it's you're gonna get your sweetbreads and your morcilla and a huge amount of steak and no vegetables, and you're gonna feel living heavy and um, something you can have like once a year. You know? Right. So I wanted to make sure that it was very much the technique is um, inspired by Argentina to a lesser extent Uruguay, uh, Brazil, and then, um, but we're just cooking, you know, we're cooking over, over we're, we're 
taking oak, we're turning it into charcoal, and we're, we're cooking over that. Right. It's, but it's a modern Chicago restaurant in the West Loop. So how do you kind of balance your time then? You're building like specials for the different restaurants, and then spending time at both restaurants. How do you manage all that time? Like, obviously, you still want to have fun and not be uh, behind the desk. I mean, the you know, answer to that is uh, I manage that time by surrounding myself with really talented people. Nice. Basically, you know yeah. what I mean. Like, there's there's a part where you have to relinquish some control, and um, you know, I know certainly, like in the case of uh, over at La Serena right now, we have a chef of cuisine, Eric Michael, who came from Dusex. I worked with him before, and um, you know, last summer he put up a plate for me when he was first doing like his take on the food, and it was very different than how I plate things. Mm-hmm. And I, I had this epiphany that was like, you gotta let this guy go, man. You right. know, like, there's a possibility that. a better idea mm-hmm. you know this is this is better than what I've been doing this is a uh, or maybe it's not better it's just a, a natural progression mm-hmm. so there's an aspect of that where I feel like um, as a cook I'm, my role is more of an editor now okay. you know I'll certainly propose dishes and uh, like pretty much everything that goes in the menu ends up being a uh, collaboration anyway okay. it usually is there's very few dishes that um at least LHA where I cook, they go up sort of, it came out of my brain this way and this is how it happened. It's usually um, a bunch of peers working together and tasting things and being honest with each other. Right. Uh, time's always, you know, it's hard to balance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is. While still trying to have some quality of life. Can imagine so, yeah. Life never stops. <laughs> no. But, um, yeah, certainly letting people do their jobs and be good at their jobs any other way is, is, is one of the keys to, I think, Managing that for sure. <laughs> so people who want to stop into El Chibar or, or El Che and uh, La Serena for the first time, yeah. do you have a recommendation when they would? Like Friday night at eight o'clock, probably not, right? Probably book solid. Uh, I mean, you know, we're on open table at both, so you can okay. always book ahead. I, I feel like um, at El Che, something always opens up. Okay. You know what I mean? Like uh, there's room at the bar. There's, I don't know. It's very rare that we turn a lot of people away, especially if they're like a smaller group. Mm-hmm try to sort it out. Um, Lost Rain is tiny, so early or late, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But, uh, I don't know. It's, have a drink at the bar. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to feed you. Nice. So, how, what kind of separates uh, your restaurants from other restaurants here in the West? Obviously, it's booming. How are you guys kind of attracting repeat customers all the time? Uh, people mean, wanting to explore all over the place? What I, what I want to, you know, what we hope to provide, as I touched on earlier, is, is more of an overall hospitality. Right. Um, you know, we're an independent. We're two independent restaurants. Mm-hmm. They're, they're different. You know, they have different staffs. They're not... Uh, tied together philosophically but not really in any other way um, but I think that it's overall just providing a level of hospitality that would make you feel like you're in somebody's home mm-hmm. not to say that other people in the West aren't doing yeah. that <laughs> I, I think that I can only worry about what I'm doing you know yeah, I mean, just the atmosphere I feel here, sitting here in your restaurant, is like amazing. Like, oh, they're nice. very much at home, like, relaxed. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I all this hustle bustle around us, but still. Well, I mean, I, I, uh, I spend a lot more time here than I do at my home, so yeah. there's that, for sure. <laughs> Makes sense. So where do you kind of see things progressing to, you know? Everything's up and running, going well? Um, it, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we are currently working on a, uh, a restaurant in the, uh, 
whole square area. Okay. But not with me as a chef. I'm a very small part of it. A uh, really talented guy who I've known forever, a friend of mine named Mark Stoyer, is going to be opening a place over there, and we're sort of uh, getting behind that. So I'll have a very small role in that. And then I don't, I don't know what's next. <laughs> you know, this certainly has me uh, running. Makes sense. I feel like a lot of people in professional realms, like cooking realm, business realm, sports realm, people have mentors. Does that apply to you too? Do you still have a mentor? Do you mentor other chefs around town? Oh yeah, I mean, sure. Like like I said, I mentioned Dean Zanella before, and he's somebody that I still ask questions to all the time. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a lot of people that... I feel like in our business, people are very generous with their knowledge. Okay. Um, and, I, and I hope that I'm shepherding these younger guys right. well. Uh, you know, I certainly throw a lot of inane bullshit their way, so like, <laughs> it, it may, um, may or may not qualify as wisdom, but uh, yeah, I'm full of it. <laughs> so like, for people who are up and coming, like say they're just coming out of culinary school or maybe they're like a sous chef somewhere, how do they kind of keep a head on their shoulders not thinking they're, you know top of the uh, line. Like you said, some guys can like cook circles around you, right? How do yeah. they not let that go of their head? And like, oh, I should go up my own restaurant now because I... Well, I mean, I, yeah. you know, here's the thing. Um, the cooking's the easy part and okay. it's not easy at all. It's, um, and I know when people make that transition to like, I remember when I made that transition from a cook to a sous chef. Mm. Sous chef's the worst job. <laughs> but then sous chef to chef where I stopped doing some of the things like, like, cleaning as deep as I used to because it wasn't a good use of my time mm-hmm. uh, and the cooks resented it. it's like well you know A life's not fair B uh, there's uh, people earn their way up right um, but C you'll you know you'll see when it's when it's your turn then mm-hmm. like it's easier to scrub down a kitchen for a half hour than it is to make sure that all the ordering is done all the schedules are done all the money is where it needs to be and all that you know everything's your responsibility like something breaks you gotta fix it right um, so I think you know to an extent that's the easy part and you know but I think that you uh, touched on something you said I think you want your cook if your cooks are great you want them to feel great right. you know like you want them to know they're fucking badasses if, if in fact they are right and um yeah, you want their confidence to be high. And when people are working and clicking at a high level, it, it feels great. Yeah, so, like, definitely. It's always interesting. Been, for me, there's no shame in the fact that, like, a, a 20-year-old dude who's been, you know, working at this for four or five years mm-hmm. is a better line cook than me. That's fantastic. Right. You know? Like, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope so. And it just comes down to, like, what you said, like, surround yourself with the right kind of people that you can Absolutely. trust to do the work. Yeah. But I always question that when people are, you're making me, like, go clean these dishes or whatever. I'm like, pay your dues and, like, be a team player. Like, yeah. What's your niggas done? Like, yeah, for sure. And, and you can say you work at an Asian restaurant. If you work at a restaurant, they bring out like a dirty plate. Like you don't want to work there anymore. I mean, the fact of the matter is that it's like it's teamwork. It's there's a lot of people to make this go around. Your dishwasher is probably your most important. You know, like without without your dishwasher, you got nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I accept the fact that once service starts, like sometimes I'm the least important person in the room. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like I'm just supervising and making sure yeah. things go well. But like. Everybody else is vital. Uh, so I'm super appreciative of that. But it's definitely, you know, from um, your favorite World War II movie to some some uh, management book that you that you leaf through at an airport, like the, the shit's always the same. Like it's yeah, it's teamwork, it's building, it's building a team. It's, like 
That's the secret to success. It makes total sense. And I feel like in restaurants, too, I'll go somewhere with great food, I'll enjoy it, and then it's bad service. Like, it leaves such a terrible taste oh, in my no, mouth. No, like, yeah. I mean, you know, with, like, with yeah. that, it's like, I will, I will go to some place that the food's good, um, and the service is great. Mm time I will never like I'll never go to a place twice that where the food is great the service is yeah the service is it's it, like I'll say it as a chef from like from a back house standpoint the service is more important than food it is I totally agree I totally agree is. is that kind of what you think is going to drive the restaurant industry is more service oriented because like how are foods not becoming kind of the same thing in different restaurants obviously there are a lot more fusion restaurants a lot more influences from other countries is there ever going to be kind of a too small of a funnel where everything is kind of too similar to something else or you think always really no, differentiate no I think you know, to a great extent um, things have opened up a lot more like okay. there you get I mean the internet's changed everything mm-hmm. where you have you know kids who are like who have never been to Japan who are like ramen experts you know what I mean right there's and certainly our customers know a lot more than they ever did Mm -hmm. about all kinds of things you know like all that information is available to them and and I think people are uh, a lot more adventurous than they have been in the past right which for me is all good things you know Um, I think people continue to so everything's on the rise, especially in the West Loop. I guess things start to grow out here. It's crazy. It's I've like, never seen anything quite like it. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's gonna be there. It's gonna be an interesting couple of years in the West Loop. I feel like you know there are hotels coming in. There are uh, there's an influx of people. But you're here. It's not. We're not downtown. Mm-hmm. We have to draw some people from other places. And I think that um, there may be. We'll see. There's there's a lot more restaurants than there are people and more opening every day right uh, you know we're more of a fine dining and a niche so um, you know it, we've, certainly it's been great for us but there's a lot of like national chains opening up here uh, a lot more fast casual oh yeah that I think that probably I would imagine from, from a business model standpoint needs the volume mm-hmm. and I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. like there's, 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 uh, there's a lot of hamburgers being offered in the West Loop right now. I was thinking about that because I'm a big burger guy. I was like, yeah. maybe I should just do an episode where I review like all the top burgers in town. Like, I started looking up. Like, I've been eating burgers every day for like three months straight. Just yeah, to I mean, close well, to that. the West Loop alone, you have, um, you know, Oshawal is sort of the, the standard bear right. that everyone considers like one of the best burgers in in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like chicken chop over here at Soho House. Yeah. That burger is good, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Grange Hall. Been there a long time. You have Kuma's just opened. Uh, Umami Burger opened last year. And Shake Shack just opened. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, these are all <laughs> a few blocks of each other. It's a lot of burgers. Yeah, it is. And they're all different. Like, very... I remember I've has been very distinguishable. Like, I yes. said one the other day at Farmhouse, and, like, I could probably tell that from a stack of 20 different ones. Yeah. It's like... So different, so far. That's what's about well, like cooking and restaurants that I love is everyone has their own little flair to something. Sure. It's kind of a standard. That's what you go back for. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we definitely appreciate being on the show. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with before no, we sign man. off? I, uh, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. 
That was a fun little interview for sure. Doing it right in El Che Bar, right in the heart of the thick of things, being prepared for the day. I love talking to John. It was absolutely fantastic. He's such a genuine guy. Making the time for a little guy like me on his podcast to sit down in the middle of his busy day prepping for the dinner rush. Absolutely incredible. Learned so much. Definitely going to be checking out the El Che Bar sometime very soon with a group of friends. If you haven't already and looking for a fun place in the West Loop, definitely check out El Che Bar and the Serena Condesina. This episode is sponsored by our friends over at StakeHall. StakeHall is a social wagering app for the next generation. With StakeHall, you can easily challenge your friends to games of skill or even be a third-party judge between mutual friends. Stake your hard-earned cash, a night out in the town, or even just your dignity. They strive to be one of the most entertaining and most interactive social wagering platform on the market. StakeHall is an app that you download on the App Store. Uh, right now it's on iOS only. Soon to be coming into Android where you can challenge your friends to some fun games. I've challenged some friends to a game of ping pong. I've challenged some game friends to a round of hot wing eating contests. Right now I'm in the challenge of Movember. Things of that nature. Absolutely incredible. Ever have that friend that takes a bet with you and then the other doesn't want to pay up and says, Bro, we never shook hands? No longer a problem with StakeHall. You can put it up on social media, share it with your friends, get a third-party judge, problem solved. Check them out at stakehall.io. That's S-T-A-K-E-H-A-U-L dot I-O. Or go to the iOS and iOS store and download them. Stakehall. Check it out now. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. (laughs) 